For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands Of a God who never sleeps Fear not, little lamb For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands of a God who never sleeps. I think uh, one of the things for me that I've seen with my kids at school and I see it's really, really cool. So if you ever have the opportunity to do this, and most of us do, we're listening to this for a reason, um, just try it and see what happens. Um, when I am in you know, my more elevated moments and I stop myself when I'm feeling really disrespected and feeling very triggered and I stop myself and breathe and I respond respectfully, and I say something like, wow, the way you just talked to me really hurt my feelings. I feel really disrespected right now. And I don't talk to you that way. I really want to get to the bottom of this. I really want to come get to a solution. I'd like to get to that solution together. Do you think that we can do that? It is crazy how fast those situations will turn around. Crazy. It's like almost instantaneous, unless you've got, I mean, you may, some people may, may not believe this. And I know a lot of like really punitively minded people would just think this is babying a child, but even 11 year olds and 12 year olds and 13 year olds have tantrumy type moments and they have meltdowns. And if you're in one of those moments where they're lashing out and it's from a place of extreme dysregulation, um, that's kind of the time when you have to realize like, okay, this isn't the moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't the moment to go hard here. This isn't the moment to push obedience here. This isn't the moment to push like, well, I told you to do something. So you're going to do it. You know, this is the moment to back up and say, I see you're having a really hard time. Can I help you? Like I, this is, this happens pretty regularly actually in the classroom. And I offer my help, genuine help and say, can I help you? You seem like you need a break. You seem like you need a few minutes to yourself. Would that help you be, can we talk about this later? Would that help? And a lot of, and they answer me, you know, they'll nod their head. And it's amazing how in those moments you can almost see the re, the re-regulation happening as they start to feel less defensive and they start to realize that you are there to help and you're there to, and, and not just realize it, but like really genuinely feel it like, okay, wow. She's not just here to order me around. You know, there's things we have to accomplish and she's here to help me do that. Of course, that's not all conscious, but like you can see the, the moment happening and it's, it's pretty neat.
you know, and sometimes it is like holding that boundary is as simple as just being very honest. What it's and saying like, you've really hurt my feelings. I can't talk to you right now. I'm going to need a minute. And then walking away or saying, I can see that you need a minute. Can, do you need to go outside and walk around for a few minutes? All right, go do that. We'll talk later. You know, and then when you come back, it's, it feels much less like I'm just pushing to get the kids to do something and much more like we're working together to solve a problem. Yeah. When you're punitive punishing, when you're punishing someone for not being able to regulate their emotions, right? You're overriding their body and their brain trying to learn to do that. You're skipping that entire process, you know, which I think is why we have a lot of people who've been spanked that like don't understand their emotions, can't regulate themselves. And then they go off and try to regulate them with other things, distraction, addiction, and those kind of things, because they need that time. It's like a toddler learning to paint, you know, they're going to make a mess and you're going to have to help them. And then when they're a teenager, it, it might look different. They might make bigger messes in some ways, but, um, you're still there to help them and they're learning, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and when someone does something and it is offensive to you and you take it in stride and I mean, you can be honest about it. Like you said, like, Hey, that was really hurtful. Um, there's a way to handle the situation where the other person feels seen and where Mm. you're not putting them in the position of an adversary. Yeah. Because if you're getting into the power struggle arena, (laughs) it's, it's you versus them and someone, I mean, that's not problem solving. It's not processing. It's shortcutting. Like you said, a lot of the, the actual processing of learning how to regulate your emotions, but yeah, everything you were saying, um, Katie was like, Hey, do you need a minute? Or I need a minute. Like that is seeing someone as a whole person who is dysregulated and who may need help. And it's just, it's an entirely different experience. Like I can say this personally when instead of someone who you could have offended or did offend, um, seeking to lash back at you or to put you in your place Mm. when they're like, Whoa, you're having a really hard time right now. Or like, okay, things aren't okay right now. Right. And and you're just like, Oh my God. Yes. Oh, they're not, they're not. Okay. And it's, yeah. (laughs) Well, and especially when the other person means it genuinely, because I think all of these things can be used as weapons. Like, wow you're having a really hard time. So I think you need to go have a minute to yourself. You know, you could totally be a jerk about it. Like, and it's, and honestly, when I'm feeling really triggered, it would be easy to go there. It really would be. And sometimes it comes out that way. And I, and I have to, I have genuinely apologized to students before and said, you know what? The way that I was talking to you was not super kind and I'm sorry. And I know that we were having issues um, and I was upset. It doesn't excuse the way I was talking to you. And that I, it's just, I think people underestimate how big of an impact that will have in the way that your children cooperate with you. If they feel like you are on the same team and it's it's not just a matter of saying that, but that you really are. It's like, de-escalation is basically it if you're de-escalating there's no one to fight you know yeah like oh you're you're not fighting me 
okay, yes. what do I do now? I guess I just have to deal with this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there's a problem. Oh my gosh. I need to, yeah. I need to uh, think we still have it, but a, a friendly relative gave us that uh, Art of War for Parenting edition. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know how like someone took the Art of War and like all of those proverbs and even just got the idea of like, I should make this about kids and put it in a book and sell it at Barnes and Noble. But they did. And someone gave it to us like seriously. Like it was, it's almost funny if it wasn't a serious attempt at some kind of parenting guide. But that's the thing. So many people do approach the relationship that way as if they just have to make their kids do things. And there are instances, and I think we'll, we'll get to that. We kind of need to go a little bit quicker through these, but, um, we will get to that when there are things that they need to do and you need them to do them and you're trying to teach them. And, but the thing is, it's not a matter of manipulating or fighting your children into doing these things. It is genuinely, how are you going to teach them how to be part of a team? You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, and one of the things before we move on to that, uh, that, I just wanted to note was that, you know, a lot of people like to blame their kids for the culture of the house. And truth be told, kids are chaotic. And that's one of the things, that's one of the things about Montessori that I love is that they recognize the inherent chaos within a child. It's just this unbridled potential that has not been refined yet. It has not been um, taught, you know, um, manners and the thing, you know, cultural expectations, but also like right from wrong. I mean, there's a pretty big instinct there as well, but you know what I mean? Like there's, they're just unbridled potential there and it can be really chaotic. And so the Montessori classroom and the whole philosophy is, is built, is set up to create an environment of peace so that the child can have peace around them and can channel that chaos into productivity, basically. It can channel all of that, oh, I'm going to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this, I want to do that, and not add to that, but really help them, like, focus it. And when parents blame their kids for the chaos, it's really like, well, it's, you kind of have to expect a little, a a modicum of chaos when you have kids. You can't be mad at them for that. You have to recognize that as the parent, you're the one setting the tone. And if there's going to be peace in your house, it's going to be because you have created an atmosphere of peace, not because your kids have, your kids are not going to. Yeah. They're not going to, they're just not, they're not going to do it. You've got to do it. They're like, come on, mom and dad, let's sit down. And how can we cultivate (laughs) peace in our home? What what sort of structures and, and principles can we adopt to bring peace? No, like your kids are not going to be the ones to do that. And now some kids are more naturally docile. You know, they're not all just these wild kids bouncing off walls, but the, the principle is there that like your kids are not going to be the ones that create the culture in your home. You are, and you're bringing them into it and it changes their personalities, change things and stuff. But yeah, I think, I think this it's is like the ultimate work of humans, right? Yeah. Bringing order, bringing peace, 
you know, managing the world to yeah. the end of glorifying God. And it does yeah. not happen with zero work. It just doesn't. No. Well, and helping people to grow rather than, or helping our kids to grow rather than basically breaking them like as if they're wild horses that need to be tamed. I like the, uh, the Montessori thing about like, um, it sounded super articulate, but, um, of, <laughs> uh, of seeing the potential, um, mm. and, and working with that because I mean, I know that the atmosphere I grew up in was very much, um, there were just characteristics and sin nature and everything that needs to be broken. So many things have to be broken and then you can build mm. up from there. And that's just a really wonky perspective to have yeah. you're dealing with other human beings. That yeah. reminds me of a, a part of in the very beginning of a book called Hints on Child Training that Clay Clarkson references in his book, Heartfelt Discipline. And it's written by Clay Trumbull, the great, great maybe great, I can't remember how many greats, grandfather of Elizabeth Elliot. And he hmm. talks about how parents wouldn't train a dog the way that they're training their children. Mm -mm. And if you talk to Thanks any Dobson reputable would. dog trainer, they would never recommend hitting or breaking the spirit of the dog. Um, and just the juxtaposition of how we're treating our pets versus how we're treating our kids. Right. And that was in night, the early 1900s. So I feel like it was pretty advanced mm -hmm. for its age. Wow. Look at that. Yeah, for <laughs> real. Okay. So chores, helping around the house and other, you know, just family requirements. Um, trees. Trees? Boundaries. Oh, boundaries. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, the, I was like, trees. What, how was that? connected here. <laughs> um, yeah, I think one of the things that's hard is, um, is that for gentle parents, it is hard to, I don't want to say enforce because that sounds too active, but to allow, I guess, natural and logical consequences to really have their real effect. For example, if you're not cleaning up your dishes and it's becoming a problem, if your kid, you know, that was a problem for me and my sister, we would never clean up our dishes. And my mom would like, she wouldn't say anything. And she would kind of just like hope that we would. And then eventually she'd get really mad and storm around the house cleaning up our stuff. And to this day, when Cornet and I are in a, well, to say in a disagreement, when we're having, <laughs> when we're having difficulties, I go start cleaning. And it's not just because of some generic anxiety. It's because I'm scared he's mad at me for the dirty house. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like directly back to my childhood right now because I'm scared that part of what's causing this is that, oh, there's still a cup there on the, the nightstand or there's, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is really bizarre to evaluate this. Anyway, you can approach it that way and get really, really mad and make them clean things um, that way. Um, or you can just set the expectation of your home and not fight every single dang time they don't want to do something. I mean, that's it. But 
it it's it's it really does take a rhythm and i i, I know say, i say it takes this a commitment yeah it takes a commitment and it takes practice and it takes getting into the rhythm and i know that's really frustrating for people and that's why we stress the culture of the home so much but like it takes uh, like a a mindfulness that says hey i see that this task is really difficult for you is it because that you are overwhelmed by it. You just don't want to do it. Let's get to the bottom of this and why it's not happening. Um, and not being afraid to say, all right, well, let's give you something else. Let's do something else. And I feel like we, we still, everybody feels like we have to lay down the law. Okay. Well, you're going to unload the dishwasher instead of saying, all right, what tasks would you like to help contribute with? And it's much easier to get kids to get kids, but to for kids to cooperate when they've been included in the process and they've agreed to something first. Including in the process makes such a difference. I did include my older two in some of the normal like home type of things, but I just kind of busied myself like when they were younger. I busied myself doing most of the work and kind of like brushing them aside almost and so there's a lot of things now that I would love for them to be more proactive about, but I kind of cut them off from being in that rhythm because mm. I didn't, I didn't give them honestly the benefit of the doubt that they could handle a lot of stuff or just let them be part of the process. Wilder, who she'll be to, uh, gosh, this month, um, she helps to unload the dishwasher and it was kind of difficult to kind of like let her help because it's something that you don't want to make an extra mess or you want to do it quickly, but she, when the dishwasher opens, she goes to it and she helps unload it. She knows where to put stuff, the stuff out that she shouldn't be touching, but um, just watching her with these normal processes, um, asking her to throw things in the trash and like we've led her to the trash and she sees that and not just doing it for her. Um, mm -hmm. A stark difference. The older kids who it's just not as intuitive almost because they yeah. weren't given um, they weren't really given responsibility or seen as part of the team, I guess, uh, when they were younger, like the, the younger two are. Mm -hmm. I feel like all of the frustrations around chores can just be boiled down to you're forgetting why you're doing chores. You're forgetting yeah. the ultimate goal, which is not to have a task complete. It's to have a complete human be able to unload a dishwasher if they need to and take care of themselves and when you start thinking about it in those terms it becomes easier to be patient with a child that is helping you unload a dishwasher and two keeping that in mind it helps you feel less overwhelmed by starting to give them more responsibility and allowing them to live up to those expectations because you realize hey sometimes i forget to unload the dishwasher sometimes my husband doesn't do X, Y, and Z task. And who comes in to help in that situation? Well, if you have like a healthy family culture, someone else just picks that up and pitches in to just be generally helpful. They don't hold it against that person for not doing X, Y, Z tasks. And I feel like that's an important thing that you can teach your children to, um, especially when they're very young start offering them, can you do this? And then if they say no, just do it for them and don't pitch yep. a fit because you're actually yeah. giving them an option 
Yeah. Well, it's really cool to me to see how Calvin responds when I say, hey, would you put this in the trash? And he totally does. And then sometimes he totally doesn't. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Or like if I see, but he is so, so, so cooperative and wants to help most of the time. There are moments when he's really resistant to it. And I, you know, it's, it takes a bit of like, I don't know, just letting go and realizing that he's going to be okay and he's going to be just fine. And he will take out his trash one day, you know, and he's helping in the ways that he can. And that if I'm going to push this, you know, he throws away his diapers most of the time, but then sometimes he's like, no, I don't want to throw away my diaper. And he's like three. So, okay. Okay. I'll throw it away for you. I tell, and I actually say that's one of the choices of words that I make really consciously. Oh, okay. Well then I'll throw this away for you. Oh, okay. Well then I'll take your plate to the sink for you. Mama will do that for you, buddy. Or, you know, if there's something else like, oh, I see you're having a hard time with that. I'll do that for you. Don't worry. You know, that really extends into older kids too. That might sound like just a toddler thing because they're toddlers, but that happens in the older classes too. And the older, the, the older kids know, and in other households too that work like this, they know if they say, hey, friend, I'm having a really tough time. I don't think I can do my job. Now, would you pick that up for me? And the friend can say, yeah, sure, I'll do that. They can also say, yeah, maybe tomorrow you'll pick up my job for me, you know, or or they just have this understanding that, yeah, I would do that for you too, you know, or you would do that for me too. And I know this sounds really idealistic to a lot of people, but the really cool thing is that it's not, it's not that it would be idealistic to say that it works perfectly all the time, Mm -hmm. but to have a functioning household that works this way is totally possible. Um, Even for people transitioning from punitive to gentle, I think it just takes, it it just takes a lot of patience and a lot of accepting the, the, the pushback and the, the testing of these boundaries. Yeah. We're going to have some, some more episodes later about that transition specifically. So I don't want to get into too many details with that right now. And I, I don't have experience transitioning. So I feel like it just wouldn't be the best for me to start talking about it, but I do know that it is possible. And I, cause I've seen it and I know people that have, and it's tough. It's tough for anybody. And that just makes intuitive sense that it would be really difficult. But yeah, I think the big takeaways for, for me from this in particular with chores and helping and stuff would be like, don't underestimate the power of negotiation and involving kids in choosing the chores. Don't underestimate the power of doing things for each other and saying, sure, I'll take this one for you today. Uh, if it becomes a pattern then, you know, it might just require some reevaluation, going back to the drawing board with each other and saying, hey, I see that this is happening a lot. What can we do to fix this? Sitting down with your kids, even around the table, making an official thing, like looking at the list of things that have to get done and saying like, hey, what do you think it's possible? Like, what do you think you're capable of doing? 
Yeah. And uh, what do you think should be my responsibility? I think this and this, and I think you can handle this, but what do you think? Mm-hmm. No, you don't think you can handle this? Okay, what about this? And going back and forth mm-hmm. in a type of negotiation. And it can even yeah. be like, hey, I'll do this if you do this. Yeah. Um, and also so for toddlers, uh, it looks like um, just making a choice, like offering them, yeah. do you want to do this or do you want to do this? Right. Yeah. It's going to be different for toddlers for sure. I've noticed that so many times when my kids don't seem like they want to help or be cooperative, um, I'm actually interrupting something they're doing Mm. and I don't realize it. And so instead of that immediate, they disobeyed or they weren't cooperative uh, perspective, if you can just kind of take a second to step back and allow any conversation to happen and not make it a power struggle. I mean, like I was, uh, I wanted to finish playing with this boy or I was doing this thing or poets even told me like, I'm trying to think about something right now. Can I have a few minutes? Um, or I'm finishing this drawing or just anything. Um, we tend not to see what they're doing in their world, I guess. And Mm -hmm. think that we kind of have the power to interrupt that constantly. And, we've been taught that it's disobedience when a lot of time it just requires a little bit of extra communication. Like, Hey, I need you to do this for me. Could you do this? No, I can't right now. Okay. Well, why is that? Like, is there something yeah. I can help you with or whatever? Oh, well, I wanted to finish playing this one game with Isla. Can I have like, or, okay, well, can you do it in 10 minutes or after you're done? Okay, sure. Yeah. It doesn't have yep. to be a huge thing. We should link the episode on parental authority because that so ties into this going from punitive to gentle, you kind of forget like, okay, where is my authority? What do, authority do I have? Do I have the authority to interrupt my kids whenever I want while they're right. like, working and demand things? I'm maybe not. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, uh, so in the classroom, what we do is like, even like many little negotiations, like many little things. Uh, there are a few of the kids who have real trouble with time management. And so in the classroom, they have daily work that they do every single day. They have assignments or little tasks that they can choose different materials to get done, but they have to kind of spend, you know, 10, 20 minutes on spelling and, you know, 15 minutes doing math facts, which are like multiplication tables, that kind of thing. Um, Just to progress in those skills, cursive, whatever. And, there are some kids that all of that should take probably about an hour and a half. That's all like the quote unquote, like required work. And they get to manage that themselves. They can spend the entire day doing that. However, they, a lot of them have a lot of trouble managing just time, time management because you know, Oh, this is boring. I don't want to do cursive. So I'm just going to do that later. And then they don't do it later. And so Um, one of the ways that I help them learn that time management skill is to say, when I see them drawing and doing something that they love and is great and I want to encourage, but should probably come a little bit later because it's something that they get really engrossed in and they just need to have that freedom to get engrossed in it. I'll say, Hey, how long would you like to work on that right now? Mm -hmm. And they, and they'll say, um, 45 minutes. And I'm like, uh, you know, in 45 minutes, it's going to be a lot later and it's almost lunchtime. And do you think, you know, uh, you can work on it for 45 minutes later, but you've got a couple of other things you need to do 
that don't need to be pushed that late because then you're not going to get to them. How about 15 minutes? And they're like, yeah, okay, 15 minutes. You know, they shoot high, hoping they get really, you know, a ton right. of time. And as a natural unschooler, I actually really don't hate this because I'm not telling them they can't spend 45 minutes doing this. What I'm saying is you've got a couple of other tasks you have to get done and it's going to be a real pain for you if you put them off until the very, very end. So why don't you just get those out of the way and then you can have all your free time, you know, all the time to just do whatever. And I'm teaching them how to do that. And I'm sorry, this does connect. <laughs> it's in that understanding that it's really hard for them to just pull away from something they enjoy doing in that you're, what is your goal? What is your objective in telling them to stop whatever they're doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you trying to teach them time management skills? Are you trying to help them Mm -hmm. with those kinds of things? Or are you just trying to order them into doing what you want them to do? Right. Yeah. I wish I had a little tiny Katie on my shoulder throughout the day. Some of these kids don't have time management skills and I'm like, it's me. I'm, What's up? Dude, I'm right here. I wish I had a tiny little Katie, Miss Katie on top of, on top of my shoulder. Like, Miss Katie, hey, what do I do I, next? I, yeah, exactly. Hey, Miss Katie. Uh, <laughs> no, it's like really funny, but it actually really helps and it helps them stay focused well, most of the time. Of, like, the balance with this whole like boundaries issue is that the boundaries are important and everybody has things that are very important to them that it can be respected both ways. So if my kids are doing something and they need a few extra minutes, yeah, we still need to get to the task that I'm saying like, Hey, we have to get to this. But if I have a few extra minutes to, sorry, I totally lost my train of thought like halfway through that. You can no, I'm on, on the train right now. Like, <laughs> I'm on it too, man. Oh, okay. It's respectful <laughs> to honor their interest in what they're doing, well, and especially you're if you haven't warned them. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Oh, gosh, yeah. And that can be such a surprise to some kids, too. Is, um, yeah. There's this little comic, and I think it's for people with ADHD, but it's talking about like how your brain has these tendrils that like get attached to whatever you're doing. And when someone interrupts it, all the tendrils have to like come back or something. And I have that visualization when I interject in whatever they're doing. Their entire focus has been interrupted, but it's just so hard to switch for them. Um, yeah. It's hard to switch because they're interested, and it's hard to switch because if you have no warning specifically, it's like, okay. I really liked this. And, you know, you're just coming in here telling me what to do. One of the things that's really interesting to me and that I think is kind of difficult for gentle parents, uh, especially when they've done the pendulum thing, uh, which we've all gone through. And I I don't say that as if like, we've all gone through it and I'm through that now. Like, I don't mean it like that at all. I just mean, this is a difficulty for us is recognizing that, kids don't get all the freedom? They don't have all the freedom because the world doesn't have all the freedom. You as a parent don't have all the freedom. Nobody has all the freedom. No, that's a good time is limiting. And like your job in, in holding them to these boundaries is educating them about the ultimate boundaries, which are time and, you know, relationships like you can't just push those to whatever you That's want. That's right? really, really good point. It's yes. Like baby stepping them into the real world of boundaries that we all get to hang out with. 
Yeah. Like, for example, we have this one student that has come in from a really traditional schooling background and his parents are, they're awesome. But um, he's really, really struggling with the level of freedom he has in the classroom. And, um, and I understand why, you know, you go from a traditional school, which is like, you get here, the bell rings, you go here, the bell rings, you do this because you're going to get a good or bad grade. And this affects, you know, you're going to get punished or you're going to get this or that. Like there are like direct and immediate, very intense directives and consequence, uh, yeah, consequences, punishments and rewards that even don't work for a lot of kids, but they, um, even for the kids they don't work for, you kind of get into the mindset of working that way. So when you come into a Montessori classroom and they don't get graded and they get to choose where they sit in the classroom, they can sit on the floor if they want to, or at a table, they can choose when they do their work and largely how much of their work they want to do, like all of these things. And they're like, whoa, this is nuts, you know, like this is crazy. And this one student in particular has a really, really challenging time with that. And so one thing that I've had to do is kind of rein in those freedoms right now that are giving him the most trouble, like sitting where he wants to sit. He gets an assigned seat now because he just hasn't been able to handle the freedom, not just because for him, we can't make him work, but when he's disrupting the classroom or when he's, you know, doing things like that, you, you do have to set in that boundary and you have to take it back and say, no, I'm sorry, you don't get this choice, you know, and it's okay to say that. Yeah. It's like, you're showing us that you're not at the level of responsibility for this. So you, you don't have it anymore. You can yeah. get it back if we see that you're able to handle this. Right. And, and you're that's gonna okay. Make sure you test that again. Right. You're not just like never going to, you know, allow right. you to have it back. Well, one of the things that we do with him too is he's a sixth year, like technically, I guess we would say sixth grader, but it here, here, because it operates a little bit different. They're called six years. And a lot of the six years are able to work in the library, which is connected to our classroom. It's like an extension of our classroom, are able to work in the library um, with minimal supervision. They're going into middle school next year. They're feeling a lot more cool and adult and like we're the big kids on campus right now. And most of them rise to the occasion and get their work done really nicely and can chat with each other without being super disruptive. And they just are generally, you know, a little bit more chill. And with him, it's something that he aspires to, you know, and says, hey, I really want to be able to sit in the library. Can I get a shot at it? And I'm like, not yet, bud, because you're having a really hard time still not disrupting the people around you that are trying to work. And I can't put you in there uh, because it, there's a lot less supervision in there. And I can't trust you yet. I can't trust that you're able to handle that yet. But I want to see that. I know you can, but we're working there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that kind of boundary is okay to set. To be like, sorry, no, you know, not yet. And to be just honest and truthful about why not. Honestly, you just get a much better response, less fighting than just like, no, you can't go in there. It gives them an opportunity to aspire to get to the next level or whatever thing that they mm-hmm. want to do. Because um, mm-hmm. if you're just like, no, because I said no, 
which, you know, sometimes a firm no is what it is and it needs to be respected. A lot of times there's so much more dialogue that can happen with that. Yeah. So you talking to him about like, hey, this is where we're at now and yeah. I'm going to work with you to get to this next point. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't leave them in the dark, unsure what the actual boundaries are or why they're there right. or what's expected of them. But it is a firm no. You know, it is, it's yeah. not like a willy nilly, like, oh, well, you know, maybe tomorrow or like not yet. No. It's, it's an app. It's like, no, bud, you're not ready for that yet. We're going to get yeah. there, but not yet. You know, you're joining and, alongside him in that. And I think that's important. Yeah. And when there's pushing there, it's okay to be like, no, we've talked about this. It's yeah. not happening. I'm sorry. You know, like, it's okay to reiterate that. Um, I think this is probably a good place to wrap up. I mean, I could talk about this for like ever and ever and ever. I think, uh, I hope that this was really helpful for people um, and as practical as we could make it. I'm like a total N, you guys, in like MBTI terms. I'm like way meta. And so I get way into the weeds sometimes. I hope that it was practical. I hope that it was helpful. If you'd like to ask more practical questions or if you feel like there's more that you need help with, join the group. We have a Facebook group. It's Attending Williams Facebook group. Um, There's tons of awesome people in there that would love to help and we would love to help. We're in there too. We're all pretty active. So yeah, please join the group. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. There's always so much more that can be said. So if you'd like to continue the conversation, please join us in the Tending Lambs Facebook group. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tending Lambs, Instagram at Tending Lambs, and for show notes, our blog, and other gentle parenting resources, check out tendinglambs.com. If you're a fan of this podcast and would like to help us continue creating content, we now have a Patreon. We'd love it if you would consider supporting us through that platform. As a patron, you'll be supporting the podcast, blog, and entire Tending Lambs community. But not only that, you'll receive lots of fun perks as well. Sign up to support us at patreon.com slash tendinglambs. And as always, until next time.